The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Amen. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. That was 1 John, 1st chapter, verses 5 through 7. Many of you live day by day under some very dark shadows. Your mind is troubled. You don't know if God loves you. You don't know if there's a way out. You've prayed and you've cried out to Jesus and nothing has happened that you could see. Some of you have come to a place of almost utter hopelessness. You don't know how to go forward. I understand 
I've also had shadows come over my mind, my heart. I've had to face the devil's lies. I'm doing something very unconventional. When I broke my hip, I didn't run to the doctor. I ran to Jesus. And of course, people said, you're being very foolish. You shouldn't do that. I'm in the sixth month, fifth month. I'm in the fifth month. What should I do? Well, the answer is very simple. It's not complicated. Trust Jesus. Some of you have a husband who is sick. And if God does not intervene, he will die. Some of you have a wife, a precious wife. And if God doesn't intervene, she will fade away. She will die. My precious wife, Jan, died of cancer. Despite my cries to God, what did I learn? The heart of the issue. Do you want your way or do you want God's way? Do you want your way or do you want God's way? No matter what happens, I know my life is in the hand of Jesus Christ. I know my life rests in his life. If I'm upset, walking in unbelief, angry, then I am saying to Jesus, I don't want your way, I want my way. Well, Hezekiah did that, didn't he? How'd that work out for Hezekiah? Fifteen years of more life. Betrayed his nation. Didn't take care of his children. Shamed Jesus. Now, let's look at some of the reasons that, that some of you are struggling with this darkness, this shadow. It's not... It's not dark, dark. It's just a shadow that remains over your mind and over your head. There are several reasons for dark shadows. The first and foremost is that you're doing something before the Almighty God that he doesn't want you to do. You're sitting for hours watching movies. You're sitting before the television. You're spending hours on the internet. You're spending a great deal of time on your cell phone. All of these will bring a dark shadow over your heart, over your mind. Got to turn them off. There's no other way. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. How do you know that God is speaking to you? Very simply. He begins to bring conviction to you. You'll be reading in the scriptures and suddenly you'll see something and your heart will grab you. You'll say, aha, I'm doing that. I've got to stop. I've got to repent. I've got to turn away from that. As soon as you do, the dark shadow leaves your mind. See, God is light. He's not shadow. He's not darkness. If you're walking as you need to walk with Jesus, there'll be no dark shadow. But if there is a dark shadow, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying to you, look, there needs to be a change here. Let's get it done. Some of you think the only way God speaks is Audibly, and so he should speak that way to you because perhaps even you've heard me tell you Jesus has spoken to me audibly on a number of occasions, and he has. And I rejoice in that. But that's not his primary way of speaking. His primary way of speaking is in the Spirit, inside of you. And he will speak, and if you will obey him and do what he is 
telling you to do, great joy will come into your heart. Freedom. The dark shadow will be gone because the sunshine is out and you're trusting what Jesus is telling you to do. If it's not sin, rebellion against the word of God to you, if it's not deliberately participating in things that are unclean, like pornography, fornication, sodomy, if you're not deliberately participating in bitterness of heart, anger, judgment, if love is the moving element in your heart, then the dark shadow is not coming from that kind of sin. It's instead coming from unbelief. If you look at the children of Israel, Hebrews is a great place in the New Testament, chapters 3 and 4. As you read about the children of Israel, and why they were not permitted to go into the promised land, you will find it's sin and unbelief. Another reason that you will have a shadow over your mind is that you're not believing that you are forgiven. Yes. You have prayed, you have asked Jesus to remove this from your heart. You knew it was wrong. You knew the attitude was wrong. And you prayed and you asked Jesus to change your attitude. Now the question is, do you believe he's done that? You don't operate with God on When I see it, I'll believe it. No, you operate on, I'll believe it, and then I'll see it. Make sense? Many of you have prayed about a specific issue or sin in your heart, but you have refused to believe that God has forgiven you. I've talked to men who have gone year after year bringing up the same issue before God. Why? Because they don't believe that God has forgiven them. But you see, we don't live and we don't walk on what we believe. We live and walk on the word of the living God. And if he says, I have forgiven you, then you have to believe that he has forgiven you. You don't keep going back and grabbing that dark shadow. That's not how it's removed. It's removed by coming closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Now, I want to address another issue. I've already lightly touched on it but I want to go a little bit into depth. There are promises in Scripture. Mark 11, beautiful promise, command that this tree cast in, or this mountain be cast into the depths of the sea, and it will be done for you. Well, what happens when you pray? and you stand on that promise, and you trust that what you've prayed is going to happen. We'll tell you what will happen. That promise will come and stand on you. Because God wants to do a work in your heart when his agenda is taken care of in your spirit and in your heart. Then he'll Hear your prayer and take care of your agenda if it's in accord with his will. In other words, 
What is God's agenda in this? Here I'm right there right now. Five months, can't walk. Lots of pain. Last night was a very painful night. And then God blessed me with sleep, and I slept in until 10.30 or 9.30. I don't remember what time it was. Well, if I've been up most of the night, then I need to sleep. But now, I constantly am saying to the Lord, Lord, I stand by faith that you will heal me. I know you will. You've promised me you would. It will be done. But I woke up miserable again this morning. So, what do I do when it looks like my prayer is not being answered? Well, no, no, wait. It's not being answered on my time schedule. God has his own time schedule. Has his own will. He's not going to answer your prayer if it violates his will. So we need to be very careful as we pray and ask God what his will is. And then when we're clear, we stand on the promise that God gives us that says it will happen. He said, by my stripes you are healed. He said, he is the God who heals you. And there are many New Testament promises like Mark 11 that I just spoke of. Okay. Once I'm clear that God wants to do what I've asked him to do, then it's up to me to stand firm on that promise. And stand firm on that promise. And stand firm on that promise and not be moved. And know that God always keeps his word. Problem is, we often don't pray about whether or not God wants to take care of this issue. We just demand that God do what we want him to do. God's not a Santa Claus. He's not passing out the gifts as though we were the little children and he's Santa Claus. He's not a cotton candy God. He's a God of immense power beyond anything we can even begin to think about. So we come, not like one man who who said, if you don't bring me my wife immediately, I'm going to go back to the nightclubs. I'm going to go back to those places where I meet women. I was horrified when I heard him say that. I was horrified. You don't threaten the God of heaven. You humbly bow before him and you wait for him to let him accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life. He is in charge. Let's be very clear about that. Dark shadows come over our mind when we think we're in charge and we're entitled. Well, we're not in charge, and we're not entitled. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So some of you are very discouraged because, as I have been many times, as I have prayed and 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 prayed, and, prayed and, prayed and nothing happens. I can't reach Jesus. I want to tell you, you reach Jesus all right. But the agenda that Jesus has is that he work out in your soul absolute trust in him. Now, it may seem like a strange thing to not answer a prayer in order to increase our trust in him. But I've learned that the natural response of the human heart when God does not answer, is not to turn away, to go closer. 
That's been a very important part of my life with Jesus. That when the answer doesn't come, I draw closer. I want Jesus. Oh, I want my prayer answered, but even deeper than that, I want Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know how he functions. I want to know how to reach him, how to touch his throne. The woman in the scriptures who just reached out and touched the hem of his garment. She was instantly healed. I want to know how to touch Jesus. And I know one of the ways that you can touch Jesus is by crying aloud to him, not in anger, not in bitterness, not with demands, but with an absolutely humble heart where you say, Jesus, I feel alone. I feel hopeless. I feel like I can't. I can't do anything. I'm caught. Jesus, please rescue me. He can't turn you away. He can't say no to that kind of prayer. He will answer. May not be the answer you want. It's a trite thing they used to say. God answers yes, no, and maybe, or wait. That's foolishness. My relationship with Jesus is very, very personal. I'm not some stranger out there to him. I've sought him all of my life. I've read his word all of my life. I've learned much about who he is and where he goes. Now let me tell you. There's one more reason that dark shadows will come over your mind. And that is if you are not utterly given over to Jesus Christ and that you are very clear that you will do what he asks you to do. You're not trying to tell him what to do. You're coming as a supplicant, consecrated, But if there is an area of your life that is not utterly given over to Jesus, and you say to me, oh, it's just, you know, I'm saved. I just have this problem. It's a weakness of mine. And Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. And no, he won't. That Shadow is sin to you. Something that you hang on to. It's entertainment that you won't let go of. It's behavior that you will not change. It's unbelief that you will not let go of. And that that sin has a grip on you. And then slowly it melds into your mind and you make excuses for it. Well, I can't help myself, Pastor. I'm just this hopeless, helpless little boy. Or, or hopeless, helpless little girl. No, you're not. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is there to set you free. Oh, I'm saved, but but Jesus will just have to understand. This is this is how I am. No, it's not. It's sin, and you're going to have to change that in your mind if you want that dark shadow to leave you alone. Some people call it, oh, I'm just moody, Pastor. 
I just don't feel very good today, and so I'm grouchy. No, you're not. You're in sin. You're in sin. Watch my wife. She has taken care of me sometimes almost all night long. She wakes from a brief slumber. She has every reason to be grouchy. But is she? Are you kidding me? No. She's exhausted, but she's not grouchy. And I like, she always is talking to me about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Jesus' Beatitudes. She says, I want Jesus' attitudes toward everything. Well, she's right. She's right. And very pleasant to be with, even when she's exhausted. You know, I'm trying to talk about all of this today because life is not a burden. Life is a privilege. Life is such a privilege. Wake up in the morning and see the sunshine or hear the rain. To be able, first thing, to bow my head and begin to praise and worship and honor my Jesus, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how painful my leg is. No, sometimes the pain is sufficient that I'm not able to get above it in order to sleep. So I toss and turn and try to find a comfortable place for it. And it's not agreeing with me and it's not helping me. But I want to tell you, there is no pain of the body. The blood of Jesus Christ cannot get above and wash and change your attitude. So, this morning, first thing I begin to do is praise the name of Jesus. I begin to worship him. And as I worship him, I feel better and better. I'm getting higher and higher above that painful leg. It doesn't take the pain away. But it gets me high into the heavens where I can worship the Lord God of heaven and know that he loves me and know that I love him. Know that he is the one I've chosen to worship and to honor and to praise. I've been in that place where Prayed for my wife who was dying of cancer. I didn't believe it. I believed Jesus would heal her. And then Jesus said something to me that was so painful. It still causes me to tremble before him. He said, You're too big for me to heal Jan. Whoa. I've spent a great deal of time praying about that in the years since she died. Wow. What, 12 years ago? 13 years ago? Lord, reduce me. Lord, make me small. Put me on the lathe, Jesus, and cut me down to size. I don't want to be big. I want to be small. I want Jesus to be big in me. 
I didn't die when she died. I thought I would. I wanted to. No, each of us have our individual, separate connections to Jesus. We need to be small. The greatest sin of my life has been pride. Pride puffs up. Got to learn, and I am learning. And believe me, these five months of anguish and pain in my body has reduced my size considerably. (laughs) I want to be reduced. Let Jesus grow larger and larger and let me be reduced more and more. I've watched quite a few preachers on the internet and I would say the one significant single marker of almost every pastor I've listened to as they have preached. They've been so big I couldn't see Jesus. Many times when I preached, wouldn't have seen Jesus. You would have seen Ray at his best oratory. I don't want that anymore. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to be lifted up. I want to see Jesus in all of his beauty. I proclaim him. King of kings and Lord of lords. He is everything to me. Now I want to go to the scriptures. I want to read a portion of 1 John. The second chapter. Well, let's begin in chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if a pagan comes to church and says, I don't have any sin, that's what he's talking about. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. He's referring here to the heresies that are beginning to come into the Christian church. My dear children, chapter 2, I write this to you so that you will not sin. In other words, so that there will be no dark shadows over your mind, over your head. No depression, no discouragement. Depression and discouragement, simply anger and unbelief. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the morning sacrifice atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. If a man says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I mean, these are just very plain, simple words. He's not being hard to understand. He's saying, look, 
Obey what you know out of the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Pray over the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit have full reign in your heart. Now, some of you don't like what I just said. I understand. You'd rather go to lunch somewhere. You'd rather go to the movies. You'd rather watch television or a a movie at home. You'd rather go out in the garage and do some work in your shop. Anything but read the word. I can tell you now, if you want to hear the voice of God, the only way you're going to hear the voice of God is by reading the scriptures. You have to read. You have to understand. You cry aloud to God to give you understanding of what you've just read. It takes time. In fact, it's going to take all of your time. Yes, you'll go to work. But your recreation and your primary diet be reading the scriptures. We're entering into that fourth and fifth seal. These were what Jesus gave us to map out the way he was going to take his people to draw them to himself that they could enter into heaven. And so there is going to be persecution, there is going to be trouble, there is going to be suffering. But all of that is meant to draw your heart to Jesus and cause you to say, I trust in the Lord. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm made whole by the blood of Jesus. You see, we're not talking here about maturity or immaturity. When we receive Jesus Christ, we're all very immature. Immaturity is not sin. Sin is rebellion against the known word of God in our heart. That's sin. Sin is volitional. It's voluntary. We don't fall into sin. We jump into sin. Sin is what we do when we don't want to follow what the Lord has told us to do. I don't want to pray, so I'm going to read my novel. What's the word novel mean? Lie. So we're going to go into the lies. We're not going to walk in truth. Read this. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone does his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We have to live in the light. Listen, dear friends, I'm not writing this as a new command, but an old one. Verse 8, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. I want to walk in that light. How do I know what the light is? Well, the Holy Spirit will teach me as I read his word and as I obey and do, that word tells me I must do. And as I do what he tells me I must do, 
maturing in Jesus. There's another passage that I want to take you to. Verse 5 of chapter 1. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, the movies, things produced by wicked people, We walk in the darkness when we follow the lust of our own heart. A young man said to me, Sir, is it sin to masturbate? Yes. Well, I have to masturbate. I don't have a choice because I'll lose my ability. If I don't masturbate, such deception, such utter, utter, foolish trash. God knows how to care for a man or a woman. Walking in darkness. I said to this man, well, are you happy now you married yourself? What? Yes, that's what it was. You married yourself. Sex is given for marriage, not for a single man or a single woman. So you loved yourself. You married yourself. Now, are you ready to marry someone else? I don't think so. You hear what I'm saying? It says, God is light. In him there's no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I'm never going to be able to live without sin. Then you'll never be able to go to heaven. The blood of Jesus is adequate to purify you from all sin, to wash you. The question is, are you willing to confess all sin to Jesus and ask him by his blood to wash you and make you clean? If you are, you can be washed and made clean precious blood. Goes on. Chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world. Don't sacrifice yourself for the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Everything in the world. Now he's going to tell us exactly what's in the world. Cravings of sinful man. The natural man wants the wickedness of the world. Lust of his eyes after that man or after that woman. The lust of his eyes for that car. Becoming more and more deeply rooted in this world. The boasting of what he has and does. Thinking that things will give you standing in the world that things will give you a place where you can think you are secure 
and you are not secure at all, death can come at any moment, and you can be wiped away. What you have does not make you secure. Oh, man. Very wealthy man. But he's losing his feet. And he can't buy feet. They're not sold anywhere. His money will not buy him what he wants. The world and its desires pass away. The man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who will do the will of God will not have dark shadows hanging over his head, causing him to be discouraged and depressed, causing him to doubt the Lord God of heaven, causing him to seek his own way. No, joy and happiness are found in Jesus. When we're in Jesus, we have repented of our sin, of every known sin, every known attitude of wickedness. We have repented of our love for the world and the lust of our heart of the pride of our spirit and heart. We have turned to Jesus and we have sought after him. And when you seek him like that with your whole heart, you will find him. When you find him, and you say, Jesus, not my way, your way. Live or die, I belong to you, Jesus. I entrust to you my future. I entrust to you my presence. I entrust to you my past. I give to you my family, my children. I give to you all that I possess. I hold nothing back from you, Jesus. It all belongs to you. Then our hearts will not have a dark shadow over them. We will rest in Jesus. I want to tell you, I'm resting in Jesus today. There's sometimes when I feel like I'm just crashing and burning and I'm going to die. And I take it to Jesus and I say, This is what I feel like, but it's not what you've said to me. And so I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I trust you, my Lord, and the more I pray, the higher I go. My confidence is finally totally restored. I don't have to live under the shadow of the demons of hell attacking me. I don't have to put up with them. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, have your way with me. Whatever happens is okay. I don't have an agenda in this earth. I have an agenda for the other side. To bring as many people as I possibly can. Trust Jesus. He is worthy. Let's pray. My Lord and my Savior. My king, things don't look very good for me in the physical realm. But I know in the spirit that everything is just the way it needs to be for you to accomplish your purpose for what's happening in my life. And I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to complain. If it means the loss of life, That's okay, Jesus, if that's your will. 
I have all the confidence placed in you. And Lord, today if someone is dealing with a precious loved one, will you give them the courage to put them in your hands and trust them with you? Yes, asking according to the promise, according to how they have heard you tell them to pray. Jesus, give them the courage to put that wife or that husband or that child or that job or that house. Lord, whatever it is, give them the courage to put that in your hands and to trust you, Jesus. For you alone are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they can trust you. You do hear their prayers. Satan says, oh, Jesus isn't hearing your prayers. They're bouncing off the ceiling. You might as well quit praying. Lord, he's a liar and a thief and a murderer. We're going to put our faith in you, Jesus. For whatever you know is best, we will trust you. We will put our confidence in you. Lord God, you are the one who comforts my heart. You are the one who convinces me and and helps me awaken to a new day, crying out in glory to you, Jesus. Love you, my Lord. I'm going to walk faithfully before you. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, I am going to trust you, Jesus. I know you have the answers. You will guide my path. will guide the path of my brother and sister. Jesus. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. July and August are such tight months financially for radio ministry. Everybody's on vacation or getting the kids ready to go back to school or whatever they need to do. It's a very busy time or it's a very laid-back time. I see that in the offerings. I shouldn't, but I do. I ask you, please, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. That way, this broadcast can continue. Write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'll talk to you soon.